0: you pray with me? Jesus, you are the center of it all, and that's why we've come to worship you this morning. We come to lift up the name of Jesus and to recognize in this new year, in this new season of life, we need you to be the strong center, the anchor point of our lives upon which we can have confidence to go forward into the next new thing that you're leading us to. God, as we look to your word this morning and as we listen to the voice of your spirit, would you speak into our lives about how you are a central, key starting point again for us this year that we can build upon in confidence no matter what we've experienced, no matter our own mistakes or our brokenness or the the commitments we've made to ourselves that we've let go, uh, maybe even already in this new year with some of the resolutions that we've set. God, would you be the center of our lives again and help us to have the grace and the confidence, the forgiveness from you to keep moving forward in this new season. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. My name is Kurt and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to Faith Covenant Church and worship this morning as we are entering still into this new year. We are... Uh, reminded again that the busyness of our lives that we talked about over the holiday season continues. In fact, for many of us, maybe it's ramping back up again in, in new and in different ways. And so the theme of Make Room that we talked about over the holiday season continues to be an important theme that we need to carry forward into this new year. Last week, as we wrapped up the series of Make Room, we looked at the story of Zacchaeus, And how he made room in his life by climbing a tree to to find a way to make room for Jesus so he could get a glimpse of Jesus in his life. And as he did, he got more than he bargained for. Jesus actually invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house and as a result of his interaction with Jesus, his life was changed forever. And as we discover, we, as we make room for God in our lives, uh, it's the transformation of our hearts that, that as we uh, grow in openness to God, he leads us to be open to the needs of the people around us, to the needs of the world around us. And, and, and the gift that he gives us of new life actually begins to overflow out of our hearts and our lives to make us a blessing to others. Our calling in Christ is, is to be a conduit of his spirit and to be a blessing to others so we participate in Jesus' mission of love to the world. If you were here with us last week, you might remember that, that we asked the question, what, what tree are you willing to climb in this new year, in this new season, to, to get a greater glimpse of Jesus at work in your life? What Jesus is calling you to do in this season ahead? Over the next five weeks, we're going to be spending some time looking uh, at at this question in more depth. And uh, as we trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us, we're going to be challenged to identify some intentional areas in our lives where God might be inviting us to take some further steps in our own growth, in our own discipleship in this coming year. We're going to be looking at and talking a little bit about this book called Well-Being. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's a fairly popular book. It's written by the same authors who wrote The Strengths Finder, uh, which is a really popular uh, assessment that you can take to talk about what are your strengths? How are you wired? How are you uniquely gifted to to make a difference in the world? And, And they followed this up with this book called Well-Being that looks at five key elements of of discovering satisfaction and well-being in life. And they've based it on uh, years of study and scientific research. And what I think we're going to discover as we look at this a little bit is that the scientific research that is coming out of our social psychologists today confirms and affirms what we have known, the biblical truths of life that God has given us for years and years and years. So they look at uh, career well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being community well-being and social well-being as key areas where we can be paying attention to how are we growing and developing in our lives. And uh, there's a little assessment that comes at the end of the book. If you want to buy it on Amazon, uh, order it. You can take that assessment. We're going to be taking it as a staff in the next couple weeks and talking about how this impacts us as a team and how do our strengths and our abilities weave into our own sense of satisfaction and meaning and purpose as a church staff. And if you'd like to do that with us through this series, you're welcome uh, to do that. Otherwise, you can just enjoy uh, the sermons on Sunday morning and uh, make your own applications along the way we're calling the series Living Well. Interestingly, uh, even though I said the book is written to a wider secular audience, we recognize as Christians that true well-being in our lives comes from the transforming power of God at work in our hearts. It's the spirit of Christ within us that gives us the ability to become more than we are today. Uh, True well-being comes from the the, the Jesus conversation that we have, like he had with the woman at the well, in John four thirteen and 14, when, when he said to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so as we talk about well-being in life and living well, the the title should remind us that as Christians, we always have Jesus at the center, that that our well-being comes from the living well that has been born in our hearts through our relationship with Jesus. Living well is learning about how to be wise stewards of the lives that God has given us to live, the lives that he has redeemed through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he has given us to give away in the name of Christ to be a blessing to others. It's about understanding the call of God in our lives and allowing the spirit of God to empower us to live out the deeper purpose of life that he's given us in his son, Jesus. I'd like to suggest that our premise for the series is that we discover a true sense of well-being in life when we're living out the true purpose that God has given us to live through the calling of his son, Jesus Christ. Again, uh, the results of the research in this book are are very intriguing and confirm this deeper biblical perspective that we have as Christians. Some of of the quotes that that you'll find if you read the book is they, they start off the book saying, Much of what we think will improve our well-being is either misguided or just plain wrong. Isn't that that kind of the perspective that we have as Christians? We look out there and see what the world calls us to pursue, and we realize that much of what people think are going to bring satisfaction and happiness is just plain wrong. It leaves them feeling dissatisfied, empty, broken relationships, broken lives. They go on to say, contrary to what many people believe, well-being isn't just about being happy. Nor is it about being wealthy or successful. And it's certainly not limited to physical health and wellness. In fact, focusing on any of these elements in isolation could drive us to feelings of frustration and even failure. Well-being, they say, is about the combination. It's about how these five elements interact with one another. Isn't that the biblical perspective of shalom? Haven't we talked about this many times here at Faith Covenant Church? That the whole reason that Jesus came was to return health and wholeness to the brokenness of God's creation. To take all of these elements of our lives and bring integrity back to them. Bring healing to what has been torn apart in our lives. This idea of wholeness and completion is is a part of the gift that God gives us in His Son, Jesus. It's the hope of the Bible, and it's why Jesus came. Now, the authors kind of acknowledge this as well, even though, again, they're writing to a secular audience, so they can't go too in-depth into faith issues. They say, for many people, spirituality drives them in all these areas of life. Their faith is the most important facet of their lives, and it is the foundation of their daily efforts for growth and change. Interestingly, their studies also show the single biggest threat to our own well-being tends to be ourselves. They say we allow short-term decisions to override what is best for our long-term well-being. Now, catch this, people. This is a very modern, secular phrase. We allow short-term decisions to override what is best for our long-term well-being. It's a modern, secular phrase for what the Bible simply calls sin. Isn't that what sin is? We struggle to make wise and good choices for our lives. In the short term, we're motivated to to give in to our base desires and pleasures, and and we sacrifice the long-term well-being of our lives for our immediate gratification. I mean, that's what the Bible has said for centuries is the basic human problem. That's what leads to all of the problems and the evil in the world. And our own secular research is bearing out the truth of what the Bible has taught us for centuries. Practically speaking, they say, making even small changes to our daily routines can have a major and lasting impact in our well-being. You see, this is, this is the discipleship process. We, we become lifelong learners of Jesus and as we allow the Holy Spirit to change us in small incremental ways over the course of a lifetime, we discover that we are experiencing what the Bible calls sanctification, the renewal and the rebirth of our lives to the power of Christ. Yet, we cannot hope to do this without Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. Another final interesting fact about what the authors talk about in the book is that they conclude, after all their research, that if we're able to make progress in growth and development in these key areas of our lives, this will enable you to enjoy, they say, each day, get more out of life in general, and perhaps more importantly, they say, boost the well-being of your friends family members, colleagues, and others in, their, in your community. That's another interesting phrase, right? Boost the well-being of your friends, family members, colleagues, and others in your community. Friends, this is missional language. God calls us to make a difference, to, to boost the well-being of the world around us. Again, that's why Jesus came, is to give us a boost in our well-being. From a biblical perspective, our calling in Christ is to participate in this mission of love to the world, to boost everyone's well-being, starting with our own and then turning that out as a gift to give away on behalf of other people. As we go through this series, we're going to see, again, how living well is about learning how to be wise stewards of the life that God has given us. It's about understanding the call of God in our lives and allowing His Spirit to empower us to live out the deeper purposes of our lives, and we will discover a true sense of well-being when we start living out the purpose for why God has saved and redeemed us to begin with. Now, today we're going to talk a little bit about career well-being. That's where they start in the book. Uh, One of the most important areas of well-being in life, they suggest, is career well-being. Uh, One of the reasons they say that is because what you spend your time doing each day shapes your identity, whether you're a student, a parent, a volunteer, a retiree, or if you have a more conventional job, we spend the majority of our waking hours during the week doing something that we consider work. Now, one of the challenges that they identify is that so many lives, and they say even entire cultures in, in our world, are built around the premise that work is something that we're not supposed to enjoy. Work is drudgery. Work is something we hope to uh, shed someday, something we retire from, right? I mean, retirement is kind of this, this glorious uh, graduation moment when we finally put off work. But they say all of their research goes against that. They say it's a fundamentally misunderstanding of what work really is in our lives. Now, we're not talking about just a particular job that we do, but it's, it's what we use our gifts and our time and our talents for to, to make a difference in the world, to, to bless others around us. If we're not using the strengths that we have to, to make a difference in the world, our sense of satisfaction in life is going to be greatly diminished. One of the essentials, they say, to having fun at work is being able to get the opportunity to use the strengths and the gifts that you have to make a difference for those around you. One of the statistics they throw out is they say people who have the opportunity to use their strengths on a daily basis are six times more likely to be engaged in their jobs and are three times more likely to report having an excellent quality of life. The ability To have a sense of purpose that we are designed and created to do something well, and then being able to have the opportunity to do that, leads to a deeper sense of purpose and satisfaction in our lives. The challenge I'd like to suggest for you today from a biblical perspective is, number one, is that we can misunderstand the biblical idea of what calling is really all about, or this idea of vocation. And number two, that we can misapply our own strengths toward the wrong ends. I, I, we're not going to have time to exhaustively cover the whole topic of career this morning, but I'd like to just look at uh, Matthew 20 verses 20 through 28 to, to give us a glimpse of Jesus' perspective on this idea of calling and vocation in our lives. In verse 20 of chapter 20 of Matthew, it says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked him a favor. Now, this Zebedees are James and John. They were the sons of Zebedee, and here their mom is coming to Jesus. Now, you've got to get the picture, right? She's getting down on her knees in front of Jesus, and, she says, and he says, what, what is it you want? And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking," Jesus said to them. "Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink?" "Oh, we can," they answered. Jesus said to them, "You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom for whom they have been prepared by my Father." When the ten heard about this, They were indignant with the two brothers. These are the other 10 disciples, right? They're like, hey, what gives? Why do you guys get the right and the left hand of the throne of the kingdom of God? That's not fair. Jesus called them all together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So even in Jesus' perspective with this ambition that he sees in his own disciples, he's giving us a picture of what this idea of calling in life is all about as he's revealed about his calling through his Father in heaven. Now, we understand that a career, a job, an occupation that we pursue in life is a part of our our larger calling, but it shouldn't be equated with our calling. Because of our conviction in the sovereignty of God and our certainty in Jesus that we are children of God and not just plumbers or academic professors or lawyers, this leads us to a larger sense of calling in our life. The reality is our lives... It may encompass multiple different careers over the course of our lifetime. The English word vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio, which literally means calling. And I'd like to suggest that in our culture, we've we've confused the idea of career and calling because as we talk about having a sense of vocation, we look to whatever job we're performing or the title that comes on our desk plaque. Professor Rob Banks says it this way: a calling or a vocation is the summons of God to live our whole life for his glory. A calling or a vocation is the summons of God to live our whole life for his glory. A career is part of that, but not the whole. He goes on to say that the challenge is that our identities become too easily attached exclusively to our careers when they should be founded more deeply on our relationship and our calling from God. Now, James and John became too wrapped up in their ambition of their positions, even within the kingdom of God, right? As a result, they missed this deeper understanding of the calling of Jesus on their lives. Jesus told them that they would be drinking from his cup later on, and historically, we know that that they were killed or imprisoned because they were Christ's followers. They, They could not... do exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross, but they they gave the ultimate sacrifice as Jesus' followers. So experiencing and living by this calling provides us a fundamental orientation to all of our lives, not just the jobs that we pursue. Author Oz Guinness talks about calling by saying, calling means that our lives are so lived as a summons of Christ that the expression of our personalities The exercise of our spiritual gifts, the natural talents that we have are given direction and power precisely because they're not done for themselves, for our families, for our businesses, or even for humankind, but they're done for the Lord who will hold us accountable for them. Some young people today may struggle in finding a career and wrongly assume that they lack a sense of vocation or calling in their life because they can't find that job that that gives them their sense of identity or belonging in the world. Or we know that when people retire or become unemployed, they have a sense of a loss of vocation because, because they don't have a current employment anymore. They're, they don't know how to attach their identity to anything else. They've lost a sense of calling and vocation in life. And yet, our, these authors, and I think what Jesus invites us to see is that our calling in life is always first and foremost to someone, not to something or somewhere. Our calling as Christians is to Christ. Our career is simply an expression of that call in whatever work we give ourselves to do based on the strengths and the gifts that he's given us. Secondly, in order to avoid the mistake of misapplying those strengths and those gifts to the wrong ends, we need to understand the key to our calling that Jesus reveals. And the key to our calling as Christians is what we call servant leadership. In Christianity, serving is leading, and leading is is serving. A servant's heart marks the first and primary quality of Christian leadership. We're called to serve others in Christ's name. We don't lead by demanding our own way. We don't lead by seeking our own ambition and climbing the ladder for our own sake or, or, or for, for the, the, the approval of others around us in our culture. We lead by demonstrating our willingness to be a servant and a slave to those around us, to meet the needs of others first. And the reality is that this goes both ways. When we're serving under someone else's authority, our job is to demonstrate how willing we are to submit to their authority and to help serve them. In doing so, we are honored in Christ's name. And when we are finding ourselves in authority over other people, again, our job is first and foremost to ask ourselves, how are we serving the needs of those over whom we are in authority? St. Augustine One of the early fathers of the church wrote years and years ago, if you want to know who people are, don't ask them what they do for a living. Ask them whom they love. Jesus said it this way, the world lords their authority over others, but not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. You see, a career is a part of our calling, but it's a calling because it's a place where we can discover how we can serve others. As we serve well, God blesses us with greater and greater responsibility, the Bible tells us. Uh, one of my professors in, in seminary, uh, Bobby Clinton, called this the little big principle. If you remember the teaching of Jesus, he said, he who is faithful to the little will be given much. But we have to be careful because this isn't the prosperity gospel here right? The more that he gives us could include financial gain and and, and more creaturely comforts, but more often it includes increased sacrifice, greater calling to be responsible for the needs of of the broken and a hurting world around us, more demanding service in Jesus' name. But but this comes with a greater sense of influence and a greater sense of purpose within the kingdom of God, and it increases our level of well-being and satisfaction, even if it doesn't include money. See, this is the way we become more like Christ in and through our careers. Ultimately, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Our calling to serve Christ is about taking our spirit of Christ and becoming more and more like him, being shaped to be like Christ. And in serving others well, he tells us we serve him well. And in serving him well, we discover a new kind of strength in our life, a new kind of power, a new kind of authority that that doesn't come from the world around us, but comes from his spirit within us, a spiritual authority that doesn't come from a title or a position or the size of a paycheck or the size of your office or how big your desk is or how popular you are in the community or how much fame you have in the culture. It comes from the humble, simple confidence that it's not about me. It's all about him. That's the true nature of calling. Well, see when we make it about me, we're not we're no longer serving in our leading or leading in our serving. We're we're now out for number one. We're out to to bring our own self forward. We're not about to to, to share the love of Christ through our careers and through our actions and through our service. Whatever your current occupation is, whatever your job is, whatever your career is, whether you're a student or you're a homemaker or you're a CEO or you're a retiree or you're currently unemployed, how is it that the calling of God on your life has given you a platform to serve others with the gifts and the strengths and the talents and the passions that he's given you? That's your calling. See, the unique purpose of God for each of us is revealed in our personality and in the gifts that he's given us to give away to others and in the ways that he blesses us through the power of his spirit with what we call spiritual gifts, where he uses us to do things that we couldn't even do in our own strength. You see, our sense of career well-being comes from the confidence that we're doing something that we are wired to do, that God has given us to do as his purpose in our life. And you don't even have to receive a paycheck to do that. In your career, what what are you good at? What strengths has God given you? What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? Have you taken the time to to kind of assess that and to figure out what is it that you can do in your life that's going to allow you to, to exercise those gifts and those talents every day, whether it's for a job or a volunteer opportunity? Some of you retired folks have more time and more energy and perhaps even more financial resources in the bank to allow you to volunteer in ways that might bring the deepest satisfaction in this later season of life than you ever could have imagined. How can you find a way to do more of what you're good at doing and find other people who enjoy the same things and do more of that with those people, whether that's in your own workplace or here at church or or in some community group in our community? So you can find a deeper sense of calling and satisfaction by finding those whom God has brought together to share those same passions and gifts. And maybe the most important question for us in this season is how can you allow God to use you And the things that he's given you that you're good at doing to be a servant to others in this new year. Maybe there is, who's one person that God might invite you to view yourself as their servant? They don't even have to know. You don't have to tell them. Who can you take on as a servant project this year and discover a whole new sense of satisfaction and well-being in giving away the gifts that God has given you? Living well is about learning how to be wise stewards of the life that God has given us. It's about understanding the call of God in our lives and allowing the Spirit to empower us to live out the deeper purposes of our lives. I'm excited about going through this series together because I think as we look at each of these elements and see how they fit together, my hope is that we will each discover a new sense of excitement and passion about our discipleship to Jesus and the way he wants to use each of us in very... Simple and practical and yet significant ways in this new year. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the call that you have given us in Jesus. God, sometimes we need help to have the confidence to understand that no matter what our life circumstances are, that call continues to remain in our lives and that we have the ability to live out that calling through our careers as we see ourselves as servant leaders, as leaders who are servants, and as we use the gifts and the talents and the resources you've given us to be a blessing to others. God, as we enter into this new season of life and ministry, both as a, as a community and as individuals, would you give us a, a sense of how you would like us to commit ourselves again to this calling in Christ to be his disciples and to use all that you've given us for his glory and to be a blessing to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.